The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. I'll treat it like an audition. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and a general reminder to keep your software systems patched, especially if you are a giant credit bureau sitting on the personal information of 143 million people. Hello, yes. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we have a whole bunch of news, including uh, that incident from last week. Uh, aforementioned incident. Yeah, aforementioned incident. Pedro gets all Ghostbusters up in here. Yeah. And I have a hopefully helpful hint about apps for teenage drivers and, more importantly, their parents. Oh, gosh. I can't even. I don't even. Oh. Yeah. Now, you got a few years. <sighs> but, I do. Uh, yeah, I do. But I'm still frightened. Yes. But some news, perhaps? News. Hey, I dig your shirt. I Thank dig you. the shirt. You, sh- you got B. Arthur, Maud, but that's not why you're wearing the shirt. Yeah, no, I, well, I mean, I would wear a B. Arthur shirt every day, right. but the, the, the day that we happen to be recording the show yeah. is the 32nd anniversary of the series premiere of The Golden Girls on September 14th, 1985. Great show. Great show. Yeah, it was really uh, the, the chemistry of it, you know, really, really good classic 80s ensemble comedy. But really, seriously. Who would have thought that a show about four middle-aged to older women would have this kind of cultural resonance? I mean, it's it, like, it just hit a lot of demographics. And there is a cafe uptown that is yeah. devoted to the Golden Girls, That's where right. I guess uh, Rue McClanahan, who played Blanche Devereaux, was uh, friends with a gentleman, and she left all of her memorabilia Did from the really? show to him. And he took all of that and turned it into this wonderful little cafe that serves sort of— Tuna melts and chips and, you know, kind of mom and pop stuff. Right, uh, right. But it is surrounded by all of this Rue McClanahan memorabilia. And they've got the wallpaper from the kitchen uh, on the set of the, the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. They've got the phone uh, from the kitchen. Her Emmy is there. Some of her dresses that she sang, you know, when she did her nightclub uh, right, 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 performances. Right, right, right. If anyone is ever uh, in New York and wants to, to check it out, I believe it's called Rue La Rue. Rue La Rue. And it's up in Washington Heights. So definitely worth the A-train ride up there yeah. and just tons of, of personal artifacts from Ms. McClanahan's life and her time on the show. Nice. Very nice. But which, which And then there's some photos of B. Arthur as well. But I, I've been a B. Arthur fan since she was on the cast album for Fiddler on the Roof in 1964. I mean, yeah. She played w- to the matchmaker. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, I'm, I was, uh, I think that was way before your time. Yes, but, but we, we had the cast we album. We had the cast album, exactly and, and I, right. And I believe her, her uh, given name was, was Bernice Frankel, and she was a Marine in World War II and drove I a truck. I could see it. I could yeah. see it. I could totally see it. Loves me some B. Arthur. Everyone had that cast album from the 60s, right? It was, it the, was the classic. The that was the, At the time, it was the longest-running Broadway show, I think, until a chorus line eclipsed it in the 70s. One of my so. all-time favorite shows. It's and one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Seriously. One wonderful piece of uh, literature there. Yeah. What what are we talking about today? I think we're, we're going to talk about some tech, tech maybe. Tech, yes. Yeah, that's well, what we've, we're we've doing. been avoiding it cuz nobody wants to talk about the big grand canyon of a security fail uh, oh, that happened. Oh god. Last and then week. the other thing, oh, we got a new iPhone. Yeah. And this one cost $1000. Well, we'll we'll get to them Aye. in due time, but there've been some new developments in the Equifax case. A lot of people have been changing one of the vowels in the second half of Equifax uh, to describe the scandal. We cannot say that because we are a clean tag. Yes, show. I was just going to ask: Are we going clean tag? I guess. We yeah, are. we should probably. Uh, but uh, you know, there were the the two big tech related events that unspooled since the last time we recorded uh, the show. Yeah. So the Equifax Beyond Epic Infinity fail, <laughs> uh, perhaps as we should call it. Uh, That's exactly what it is. I believe it. Uh, NBC News described it as basically affecting almost every adult in the United States. 
you know, go big or go home, uh, apparently. I'm not saying a word. Yeah. According to Ars Technica, though, I was just reading this a little while ago, Ars Technica and other places are reporting that hackers got into Equifax by exploiting a flaw in the Apache Struts web application. Now, you know, they're on Oh, that old thing again. Yeah. But this was a flaw that had been patched on March the 6th and uh, apparently didn't get updated on Equifax's servers. Uh, They had the breach reported on, uh, I believe, in May uh, when it happened. Well, that's when it happened, and then they didn't report it until July 29th. So nice. people have probably had information of these 143 million people since May. Yep. Not really making the stomach uh, subtle there at all. No. So that that just came out that, oh, uh, yeah, there was this, this big exploit in Apache Struts. Everyone knew about it. They issued a patch. Apparently the patch didn't get on here. So that that's probably going to come uh, into play there. Um and, it, you know, we've seen this story so many times the past Gosh, several yeah. years. A big, giant company that holds a lot of your personal data on its servers gets hacked, and the thieves make off with the goods to steal your identity. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this two years ago because some of our longtime listeners will know we actually talked about the two things that they're telling everyone to do now to protect yourself. Freeze your credit yep. and put, set up fraud alerts. Yes, um, in the essence of time, we will link on our show page back to that episode that we did uh, there you go. in 2015 that, that it still has all the relevant information on that. But yes, yeah, so Equifax uh, disclosed this hack on July 29th. So so that was when they fessed up. But hold on. Um, I got to I got to wrap my brain around this. I know you said it, but I just want to just really really stew in this a little bit. Mhm. The flaw was detected in March. Yes, Apache, Apache noted that there was this exploit, uh, this flaw in their software. They the, issued a patch in March. In March. Early March. And two months later, Equifax's servers get hacked by people using this Apache flaw because I guess they hadn't applied the patch that was supposed to cover up the security hole. And so this is all going on, and then Equifax realizes something is wrong. They shut their mouth about it for a while. Yeah, and curiously enough, and this also came out uh, in the wake of the incident, uh, several executives sold a whole bunch of Equifax stock right before the public disclosure of this security incident. Oh, this just gets better and better. Yeah, and people was like, hmm, why would they dump all of this stock? You know, right, like, I think it was like a week or two before all of this hit the news. And there's a conundrum here because... Yeah, it's, you know, it's another company that got hacked. This happens to be a company that has your social security number, your date of birth, your driver's license number, these things that are just an identity-stealing toolkit. Yeah, it's basically and, everything you need. Yes, and it's it's from a company that is supposed to be protecting your data because they use it to report on your credit and make sure you're creditworthy and issue you new lines of credit. So the hackers went straight to the top of the mountain here and got all of the, the stuff that they need. It's one of these like low level, like in the pit of the stomach, like you're powerless and you can't really do anything about it feelings I yeah. got going on right yeah, now. Yeah, that kind of spreading yeah. gloom and dread sort of thing. Rage actually is what's yes. spreading. My yes. Sp- and uh, others get like a boiling, like yes. white yes. hot pit of rage. Uh-huh. Other stories uh, related to the Equifail are popping up now. Uh, Brian Krebs, we love his blog. Yes, uh, we do. Over on the Krebs on Security blog reports that people in some South American countries, Canada and the United Kingdom, and who knows where else, uh, were also affected uh, in that Equifax uh, problem. Uh, There was a portal in Argentina that was so insecure, I think uh, admin was the password for the admin account. Wow. Uh, Researchers found they could view the names of more than 100 Equifax employees as well as their uh, employee ID and email address. And they could see the passwords viewable by right-clicking on an Equifax employee's user profile and looking at the source code because the password was just there in plain text. 
Krebs has even more on the colossal blunders there, and we'll link to his story because he did a lot of reporting on that. Wow. And the site that Equifax slapped together for customers to check their status and get more information also had usability and security problems, too. Really? That's a whole other story. People were punching in their names, getting, oh, you're fine, or, oh, you're problematic. People were putting in fake names and fake mm. security numbers yep. and getting, oh, you're, you know, you've been breached. So, yep. so, so not really uh, soothing the public nerves there. And as you can imagine, there are legal implications to all of this. Uh-huh. More than 30 lawsuits have already been filed. Uh, many of those were filed in federal courts, including at least one accusing the company of securities fraud for misleading its shareholders about its uh, security practices and how they were protecting people's data and uh, perhaps inflating their financial statements too. Yeah. So so this is, this is where it gets serious is when you get into the security fraud area. Another suit alleged that the company uh, did the job themselves to get people to sign up for its credit monitoring services. That one's a yeah. little tinfoil for me. Yeah, it's but, just a little bit. But, but I will admit, they are making hay. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, you know, you get one year free and then 20 yeah. bucks a month uh, for the uh, you know mm-hmm. for us to make sure that your credit doesn't get stolen, even though we're the ones that gave your information away. <laughs> yeah. And even on their security site, they wanted you to go in and type, I think, six digits of your social security number mm-hmm. and other personal information to see if you had been affected. It's okay, you just yeah. lost my information the first time, and now you want me to give it to you all over again on your insecure server. The worst part is that two years ago, I had my identity stolen. Mm-hmm. And I signed up t- for the Equifax. Oh, the credit monitoring? The credit monitoring service where occasionally I will put a freeze on my account and all that stuff. And that's where the, most of my rage is, is brewing yes, from right uh, now. Yes, and, and hopefully TransUnion and Experian and TransUnion, the other two credit monitoring bureaus, have right. maybe done a software audit and made sure all their servers are up to date. They better. Yeah, because, man, it boggles the mind uh, what could happen if others were involved. That it does. Uh, Now, many of the claims uh, in these multiple lawsuits that are being filed against Equifax uh, are similar enough that they could be combined into one mega nationwide case against the company. Class action has been discussed. The Federal Trade Commission is now looking into the matter, and New York uh, Senator Chuck Schumer has compared the situation to Enron, uh, that other epic corporate fraud case from 2001. Wow. The U.S. Congress will be holding two hearings on the Godzilla-sized data breach, and Eric Schneiderman, the attorney general of the state of New York, has a formal investigation of his own in the works, and we know he doesn't play around he uh, does not. as New Yorkers. Uh, Schneiderman apparently also leaned on Equifax to remove the legal language it had originally put on its very special website to see if you were affected. That is said that basically if you signed up for the company's services to, to protect your credit, then you were going to file a lawsuit against them. They were trying to... Beat you to the punch. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that part has been removed. Um, But uh, yeah, and again, the legal types uh, also want to look into those Equifax executives who sold the stock right before the breach. I'm sure that's uh, in the mix as well. And um, I think there were also some contract stipulations with those executives that shielded them from any sort of punishment if if this there have been crazy. breaches or whatever this is crazy this yeah is just crazy. it's it's just somebody let me let me somebody's got to do time here yeah somebody's got to do time because it's 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 turning into be like this giant ball of string that is just rolling downhill and stuff is unraveling and strands are popping out and it's you know because you know not too long ago we had to deal with the uh, the, the 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 housing thing the the, the banking crisis yeah. and all this because a very similar nastiness mm-hmm. and corporate shenanigans. Yeah. And they're writing these things into their exit packages that, oh, I'm yep. going to take these buckets of millions and I'm going to be legally protected from anything that may have happened while I was there because that's wow. in my contract. Goodbye. Wow. 
Yeah. So, yeah, so so we're going to be keeping an eye on this one, needless to say. Yes, indeed. So now moving on to the other uh, media suction like a black hole story this week, the uh-huh. Apple event. The Apple event, yes. Um, the fruit-themed toy maker of Cupertino held its annual fall product jamboree on September 12th. This time in the brand new Steve Jobs Theater on the Apple campus. They worked very hard. They got this very posh theater uh, put together in time for the event. Uh, They said some very nice things about Mr. Jobs, uh, who was really the visionary of the company. Absolutely. And it was the 10th anniversary of the year the original iPhone came out, 2007. Now we're in 2017. Everyone was curious as to what Apple was going to do for this whole decade celebration of the iPhone. And despite a suspense-killing leak from Hugh Apple Blogs, who managed to look into the code on the GM and and release the the, the models, and they they got everything right, basically, uh, because they had peeked into the software. Yes, indeed. Apple uh, did have their big uh, announcement. Tim Cook, Phil Schiller, Eddie Q, Craig Federici, all of the usual players were out. I believe uh, Angela Arntz, the uh, woman who manages the Apple stores and oversees all the retail arms. She also got to come out in a very stylish coat and talk about how Apple stores are, I guess, town squares now. Are they really? Yeah. I I don't think so. Yeah, I I don't see a lot of real expensive merchandise being sold in the time, the town square. Yeah, Uh, maybe an ice cream cone or something. Yeah, I kind of think of it as a place where you hung out on the steps of the courthouse and, and, you know, had a Coke or something. That's right, yeah. I don't think they let you do that in the Apple store. But uh, but anyway, that that was the uh, allegory they were going for. Allegory is that is that what we're calling it? Yeah, or the metaphor, or the something. Uh, yeah, okay. This is what clean we're tag. like now. Clean yes, tag. Clean tag. So, so the big the big event. Uh, they announced the three new iPhones, which everyone knew was coming if they were reading the Apple blogs. Right. The iPhone eight, the iPhone eight plus. Both for the mundanes who don't want to like live on the edge and spend the a plebes, lot of money. The plebs. Yes, and then the iPhone ten, which everyone still keeps calling the iPhone X, uh, but every time Apple's all under the Roman numerals being pronounced as numbers. Wait, hold on a second. What happened to iPhone 9? Is it hanging out with Windows 9? I think it is. I think they, like, there's this sort of number nine island where all of these yeah. well, products get sucked into, like, a wormhole. Where's the hate for number nine? What's I up know, with that? A, can they not compete with the Beatles? I mean, what's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> wow. There's something there. There's yeah. something there. It's an Illuminati thing. I yeah. Think. Yeah. It's an it's Illuminati It's got to be thing. some kind of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, numeric code. But right. anyway, so, so to your point, no number nine, even though... Uh, Chuck Schumer, again, the New York senator, uh, was, was tweeting about it, holding yeah. up his flip phone, saying that he'd found the missing iPhone 9. Chucky's busy these days. Chuck has had a heck of a week. Yeah. Um, so the iPhone 10, I assume you saw the keynote, yep. the all-glass screen, yep. the blah, 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 and it does these this uh, face mapping thing where your face is your password now to unlock the phone. There's no more home button. You just do everything with face ID. All three of them have wireless charging. That that was kind of big. Okay. Uh, you know, but now the face stuff is only on the ten. Yeah, the face stuff is only on the ten because it's it's got the mojo to handle it uh, on its you know sort of edge to edge screen. They showed a lot of the cameras have been improved at least on the iPhone eight plus and the iPhone ten have uh, they got the camera boost and all the mm-hmm. portrait lighting stuff. So serious photographers probably going to go for that one. Right. Of course, those are the more expensive ones in the line. The of starting course. price for the iPhone 10 is $999 for the 64 gig. And then the iPhone 8 Plus is their usual uh, Apple price point. And one of the things they showed off, which I was like, wow, they're really spending a lot of time on this, is those those Animojis where yeah. the phone's camera maps your face and then puts it on a talking emoji, basically, that, that mimics your uh, expression. So if you open your mouth, the Animoji opens its mouth. Of course, they had to do it with the poop emoji because poop emoji is everyone laughs at poop. Yeah, and 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 as Craig Federici said, you know, it's kind of the pinnacle of human achievement here is we have talking poop. Um, really? 
Yeah, or he implied that in his demo. Uh, but he, he did briefly show the, the poo emoji. A little touch of cynicism, maybe? Yes, perhaps a Just little a bit. Just a touch. Oh, that reminds me, I got you a poop emoji button from the emoji movie when it nice. was out this summer. Nice, thank you. It's on the bottom of my bag. I got to dig it out for Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Uh, my kids are going to steal it. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, very popular yes, for uh, school. Um, yes. So all the phones came out. They also announced uh, the cellular Apple Watch that we kind of knew was coming because yeah. that leaked. So you don't need the phone paired with the watch to be able to stay in contact. The watch has internet now. And they also did a new Apple TV that I'm interested. Yeah, this is the 4K HDR video-friendly Apple TV. Yeah, but give it to it. me. It also offers Amazon Prime. Yes, and they've got like a sports tab uh, coming in now too for right. the live. That one looked very. It was $179 or something. It yeah. was not completely over the moon in price. Yeah, because they don't really care about the Apple TV. Let's be blunt. They yeah, don't. it's it's the hobby thing. Still. It's the hobby thing. It's the fun thing. They don't realize what they've got. Yeah, so so all of the, the hardware came out, and I guess iOS 11, September 19th, will be uh, available for download for existing iPhones and iPads, and I guess the people who still may have an iPod Touch that can run it. I think only the last generation of the Touch uh, is is uh, compatible. You know what? I think I'm going to stick with my Fire TV, though. Really? You like the uh, – well, if you're an I Amazon like Prime it. guy, I mean, Fire and Prime kind of go together, right? Right, but also it's moddable. None of this closed system business? No, none of this closed system business. You can root it. You can do what you want to. It's a little more flexible. I kind of like it. Yeah. It looks damn good. All right. So uh, so fire for you then. Uh, for those who care not a whit about iPhones. A whit. Not a whit. Google put up a billboard in Boston this week announcing that uh, it was going to be uh, rolling out a new Pixel phone on October the 4th. So, October 4th. Yeah. So they, they kind of went subtle. You know, Apple was like, hey, look at us, look at us. And I was like, here's a little billboard. They put up a little hint and yep. then later confirmed, oh, yeah, this is when our we're going to announce our new Pixel phone. And they put up some accompanying video that, that people could see. So Google playing it very subtle there, a little bit cheaper probably too. Um, I think so. Not hosting a big event. Yep. Now Microsoft, not wanting to get drowned out by everyone else's noise, mm -hmm. um, piped up with a uh, blurb of its own this week about its upcoming Windows 10 Fall Creators update, which I think is kind of due any day now. I think they said September Maybe it slips to the first week of October. It's Who knows? Called, it might already be on your computer for a while. I know. Yeah, you know. We, should, we should go look. This is yeah. what you've been doing. Um, fall creators. I mean, fall is technically until, what, the December 21st or something? Yep, December 21st. So, so they got a while. Yeah. They said that their new uh, Windows 10 download will have enhanced privacy controls built in, including easier access to privacy information during setup and the ability to set application controls beyond just saying if you can use your location. Mm -hmm. Not quite the zazz of the Apple announcement. No, definitely not quite. Yeah, but they're they like, hey, 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 hey. Hey, look, we're, we're still here. here. We're working here. We're, we're Microsoft. Working. Hey, have they cured cancer yet? They are still working on it. All right, it's fair enough. Project. It's a big project. Yes. Now, after a few weeks of uh, rumblings, the Trump administration has ordered a purge of Kaspersky Lab security software products from U.S. government computers and devices. Because they're Russian? That has something to do with it, yes. U.S. officials have expressed concern that Kaspersky Lab, based in Moscow, was vulnerable to Kremlin influence. And maybe maybe if we kind of play this out, there could be some backdoors built into the Kaspersky Lab antivirus software Whoa. that could jeopardize national security. That's pretty heavy. That, that was the fear. Uh, in a statement, Kaspersky Lab rejected all those allegations and said its critics were misinterpreting Russian data sharing laws that only applied to communication services. Um, but the Department of Homeland Security issued a directive to federal agencies ordering them to identify Kaspersky products 
on their information systems within 30 days and begin to discontinue their use or dump them uh, within 90 days. The order applies only to civilian government agencies and not the Pentagon, which I guess didn't use Kaspersky anywhere. They, they don't load it on the military networks. They might want to hire some of the folks over at Equifax. I hear they're going to be needing jobs soon. Yeah. The, uh, oh, that was me. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, that was me. We have our crack team of software patchers. <laughs> we'll come in and make sure there's no yeah. Russian naughtiness on your network. No networks. Kaspersky here. <laughs> yes. I'm on lunch. Bye. Yeah, it's... um. Oh, that was mean. Yeah, it was. That was mean. I'm sorry. But, you know, probably well-deserved. Probably well-deserved, yeah. Yes, uh, but speaking of government stuff, Bloomberg reports that Robert Mueller's uh, investigation into Russian influence on the 2016 U.S. presidential election has a, quote, red-hot focus on social media. Really? The Bloomberg story details how Mueller's team of prosecutors and FBI agents are zeroing in on how Russia spread fake and damaging information through social media— and they're also seeking additional evidence from companies like Facebook and Twitter about what happened on their networks and maybe if they knew uh, falseness was going on, why did they not clamp down and, and uh, maybe stop some of this fake stuff going around? Hey, Bobby Mueller's not messing around. Bobby Three Sticks is uh, Bobby doing his Three due sticks. diligence. That's yes. right. Bobby Three Sticks. Yes. Yeah, so, so we're keeping an eye on that one. Uh, speaking of the social network. The company has put forth its new rules for the types of material creators can't profit from uh, with branded content, instant articles, and those mid-roll video ad breaks yeah, that yeah. get really annoying because you're watching a video and then the commercial comes on. Yep. Uh, these rules uh, say that you can't uh, do misappropriation of children's characters, like if you had Big Bird smoking and drinking whiskey and playing poker, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, you can't profit off tragedy and conflict. That's nice. Yes, which, which uh, hopefully that would be sort of built into your yeah. personal ethics, but maybe not for everyone. <laughs> maybe not for everyone, yeah. And uh, porn, drugs, hate speech, and incendiary social issues uh, are also forbidden as money makers. Incendiary social issues. That's a wide berth Yeah, that, right that there. can be uh, – and, and there are so many here yeah, these days. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so Facebook has spoken. And finally – And finally. NASA's 13-year Cassini mission ended this week as the spunky Saturn probing spacecraft intentionally slammed itself into the planet. Uh, Now, this is set to happen uh, at the end of the week. We're a little bit ahead of that, but this is the plan here, and NASA knows how to plan. Uh, NASA said the suicide plunge was to ensure Saturn's moons remain pristine for future exploration. The mission's final calculations predict loss of contact with the Cassini spacecraft uh, around 7.55 a.m. Eastern Time on September the 15th, probably by the time you all hear this, mm-hmm. Cassini will have passed yonder. But uh, it's going to be sending back some data all the way down and was just an incredible wow. source of photos and information about the ringed planet. Cassini, we salute you. Yeah. Hey, slow clap. Slow clap, Cassini. Bring in the science. Nice. Yes, and so uh, for anyone out there who wants to know more about all the stories we talked to, especially the 15 or so that were related to the Equifax incident, <laughs> you can find them all on our show page at poptechjam.com. JD. Pedro. Do you know what ghost followers are? I'm going to guess that uh, not real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're ethereal. They're, you know, they, like, they're like Casper. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. Basically, sort of along the same lines. Yeah. The reason I ask is because recently I've had recently. a huge change in my life. 
am no longer an employee of a large metropolitan news organization that you shall remain. struck out on your own. I've struck out on my own. I am now the sole employee of Headstepper Media, who mm-hmm. produces this show, actually. Yes. And a couple other ones. And I realized that although I spend a lot of time on social media, you I'm, do. Not, I'm not using it as effectively as I should or I could now that I'm, you know, out on my own. And free to say what you want. And free to say what I want. Right. The difficulty, though, is that what's ended up happening is although my numbers had gone up on my social accounts because not only of my blabbing on there almost 24-7 and the fact that I was part of that large news organization and, you know, uh, because of this show and some other stuff that I've done – I had a lot of numbers, my, you know, pretty impressive. I was like, wow, this is cool. I must be popular. Not really, because the bottom line is it's all about engagement uh-huh. on social. The whole point of being on, on social media is about engaging with people because it's a, supposed to be a social thing. Yes, it's social and media together. Exactly. Ghost followers are pretty much people who follow you and don't do anything else. Uh-huh. They don't comment on your posts. They don't like your posts. They don't reply to anything that you've posted. Nothing. So they're basically just furniture in the room that you don't use? Pretty much. They just pad your numbers, basically. So now, along those lines, there are lots of services out there. You don't have to look too hard that will offer to, you know, you give me a couple of bucks, I'll get you four, five thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, a million followers. I don't understand because the engagement rates that, for instance, an advertiser is going to want, if you're a, a brand, uh-huh. a corporate client, is what's all about. What does it matter that you have 4 million followers and only two people will reply to your messages? That engagement rate is just way off the, way off the map, right? I've, I've heard it used as a selling point, though, like, oh, so-and-so has 10 million followers. Absolutely. That's from people who really don't understand social media, period. Yeah. The fact of the matter is... Just because you have a lot of followers doesn't necessarily mean they're actually real yeah, or engaged or even on the social network at all anymore. So it's like fake followers. Fake followers, pretty much. So now I went on a mission. I wanted to make sure that my accounts, Twitter and Instagram specifically, because not only are they the hottest social networks out there still, regardless. I mean, you know, Snapchat and all that stuff. Yeah, but but you use those two a lot. Exactly. I don't snap, so... I wanted to make sure that the folks that were following me on these social networks were real people. That was my, my base mission. So I went about trying to find out an easy way to do this because when you've got – I had like 7,000 followers on Twitter and 5,000 followers on Instagram. Very impressive sounding. But when I dug a little deeper, basically a third of those followers were inactive they followed me, and then they don't use the service at all. Were they bots? They might have been. They Possibly. And, and then another significant portion of those folks were real legitimate accounts that just didn't reply to anything that I want. So that in and of itself will affect my engagement rate. So if I post something, it's basically going into just big, giant void. Yeah. The whole point for me is I like talking to people. I like mixing it up. So I used a couple of tools online to try to winnow away these ghost followers and these inactive followers. I used two online tools for Twitter and two mobile apps for Instagram. First one I used for 
Twitter is a, a site called Manage Flitter. Okay. Now, I'm not shilling for these people. I'm not saying whether or not whatever they're doing is kosher, blah, blah, blah. It's but a tool that I used. You used it and you have some experience with the product. And it actually did exactly what I wanted it to do. I wanted it a product that identified my fake followers and to give me an option to unblock them and to give me an option to whitelist folks that I don't want to unblock. Okay. okay Pretty so straightforward. It, it spread it all out for you there. Manage Flitter. It's got an analytics tool. It's got engagement rate options. It's a tiered paid service. So you've got a free service that gives you very limited functionality. And that was perfect for me because all I really wanted to do was unblock people. You can really dive deep into your Twitter accounts if you're a corporate brand. Yeah. So if you want to knock off a few exactly, million ghosts or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean – it is a little difficult to navigate through the service, Manage Flitter, that is, but it did what I wanted it to do. Another tool that I used online was Twitter Audit, and that's at twitteraudit.com. This one's a little more straightforward. There is a free version of it, but it's fairly useless. Yeah. They give you an option for $4.99 that lets you get dive deep into uh, more of your Twitter accounts. The specialty of this site is Basically identifying what's real. Yes. Which of your accounts are real and which aren't. And which were the old egg avatars. Is this $4.99 per month? $4.99 per month. Correct. $4.99 per month. It goes through all your followers. There is a limit for the free version. And it will identify using whatever algorithm and alchemy they have, which, by the way, even on Manage Flitter and on all the services that I'm going to talk about are not 100% accurate. So – there are a lot of accounts out there that they identify as fake or as, you know, spam or whatever that are real legitimate people. So just bear that in mind. Twitter audit identifies which of your followers are real and then lets you block them. Okay. Pretty much no muss, no fuss. Enough for me. The part that I didn't like was that I had to pay $4.99 for functionality that Manage Flitter gave me mm-hmm. for free, but that's neither here nor there. Al Kaiser is coming for you. Absolutely. That's on Twitter. On Instagram, I do my stuff mobile. There's an app that I really, really like called Cleaner. And Cleaner works specifically for Instagram. And again, it offers you similar services to Twitter audit and all that. It identifies your fake followers. It identifies who you're following that's not following you back. And it gives you the option of blocking and unblocking, which is nice because, you know, uh, you don't want want to make it a permanent thing. Exactly. You don't want to make it a permanent thing. The one thing in common between Cleaner and the other services is that to prevent your account from being deactivated or flagged in some way because you're unblocking hundreds and thousands oh, yeah. of people. They get mad. They get mad. So they they slow it down. They they do it in chunks. They do it in blocks. So you can't just get rid of a thousand people in one shot. It's timed over a couple of hours and a couple of days. That's cleaner for Instagram. I chopped off a thousand followers so far. Wow. People who just didn't, they just followed me, nothing. And it's kind of like that, you know, like a mafia cleaner. Yeah, it is. And now the last one that I used, I used to use this a while back when I was really into the own engagement thing a couple of years ago. Then I sort of like forgot about it. It's an app called Crowdfire. Crowdfire used to give the same services. You can identify who's following, well, unfollow the whole nine yards. They've kind of sort of morphed now into what they call a marketing sidekick. Mm-hmm. So instead of allowing you to eliminate followers, what they're offering you now is 
how to engage with your followers better and grow your presence online organically. Mm-hmm. Grow your presence on social organically. Um, they still offer options to, you have to dig down deep and there's an annoying thing where it like, there's a bot that asks you like, who are you? What's your name? What Is should like I call Clippy? you? Yes. It's got a, it's got a, a real, a bit of that vibe, but the engine is still what they used to use and it was pretty robust and pretty straightforward about getting rid of, you know, people you don't want to be following or who you don't want to follow. So yeah, that's my, uh, that's my new obsession. All pretty right. much cleaning out my uh, social. Yeah. Ghost busting. All ghost right. busting's on the socials. I see. So you're going to have some links to these services for people who, sh- uh, maybe we're driving and couldn't stop to write it down. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. All right. Well, please keep me on your followers list. <laughs> we engage. I will. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Teens and driving. I remember when we were kids, uh, I don't know how your uh, teenage driving experience was or if you had one as a New Yorker, uh, if they do that here. Yes, they do. In the Midwest, it is a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. You get your learner's permit. Some people take the driving course proper. Some people just learn to drive on a tractor and upgrade to a car. Yep. But uh, all of this very exciting for the kids, but a little nerve-wracking for the parents. Oh, yeah. I remember my mother had some white knuckles on the, the Ooh, passenger yeah. door handle. I don't like um, But technology has actually, I think, tried to make a difference here for the parental peace of mind. If you search for distracted driving apps and just teen driver apps uh, mm-hmm. for any platform, a ton of them will come up. We're going to talk about two categories here. Uh, first of all, uh, just the fact that you have a teen driver and you want to know where they are. They've got the car. Were right. they speeding? Right, uh, right, right, right. What was going on? There is this whole category uh, of apps that are just uh, pretty much, I think, made for the parents in mind. But they, uh, if, if both the parent and child agree to run them, uh, the parent can kind of see where the child's at. It, it's, it's like a friend finder. You just see them on the map. It mm-hmm. does location services. But uh, Life360's Driver Protect is one. It's for Android and iOS that specifically uh, looks for uh, automobile type stuff. Like a lot of the location apps, you just be walking around. It'll find you. These are sort of uh, road-centric ones. Uh, they include a safe drive review report for parents to see where the young driver went, maybe how fast they were going, gives uh, arrival alerts when the kid arrives at whatever destination. Um, for the scarier side of teen driving, there's crash detection and emergency response tools. Ooh, if there's wow. a little fender bender or something, um, and that's a subscription-based service, about eight bucks a month, uh, but there's a free seven-day trial, um, and, and so that is just one of the many options. And it goes through a little setup where you put, like, a whole family circle together, and, and the whole family can see where everyone's driving. So maybe the kid wants to see where the parent's at, and, and they go, oh, you're on your way home from work, okay. It's a little bit uh, something a little bit It's creepy. a little creepy surveillance, yeah. but a lot of people, uh, you know, I guess in short of having the parents buy a drone to follow the child around. <laughs> There is that. Yeah, so lots of phone apps, uh, but for those who don't want to rely on the kid's phone or maybe the kid loses a phone or the phone's battery dies, there's all, I've used those plugins for the car's dashboard now. There's this little onboard diagnostics port in most cars. It's called the OBD2 port. Yes, actually I have Yes, and, and you can get these little, they look like little rubber stamp type things yeah, yeah. that you plug in under there. Basically, you plug one of these under the car and it downloads just a lot of data about the car, including the location, speed, braking information, driving history, that sort of thing. Just right. kind of collecting it off because yeah, all the cars have the computers in the dashboard of now. Course, yeah. So there are systems that use one of those little OBD2 plugins, which cost about, you know, 75, 80 bucks. 
and uh, then an app uh, that you subscribe to and you put one of those in the car and, you know, wherever the car goes, this this, uh, gadget is uh, transmitting information back to the parent. And so this is a solution uh, for parents who are a little more concerned. Uh, Bouncy Hum and Moto Safety are uh, three, I guess you would call these the car tracking Opportunities again, maybe a little creepy for the kid, but you know, for parents who are, are really sweating it here, um, I'm going to be one of those parents. You know that. Yeah, um, OnStar. Uh, we all know OnStar. Oh, We've classic. seen the commercials. They've yeah. added a vehicle safety service specifically for families uh, that's on there too. If you have OnStar, I think it's called Family Link Monitoring. It's like an extra four bucks on your OnStar thing. Mm-hmm. National Safety Council has a huge page of information on things you can do too if you're a parent, which we will link to. Um, but for those uh, who maybe don't want to have the whole surveillance thing, like maybe the parent and child want to do it like we did, where it was sort of there's a trust factor built in, right. whether or not the trust was abused or not is right. one thing. Yeah, but, well, but there, that's there was a not, totally different. Story. Yeah, there was not the uh, I put the GPS tracker on you and I'm going to follow you around. <laughs> um, uh, most app stores also have apps for the insurance company and navigational aids right. and roadside assistant tools and even just using the flashlight on your phone if you need to dig around and get something in the glove compartment like your registration could be helpful. So so that is the sort of car tracking ones. For parents who are concerned that the child is driving with a phone, mm-hmm. whether or not that phone is tracking them and reporting back on how the driving's going – there's this fear of distracted driving, specifically texting, because yeah. there have been so many accidents. There's been a huge increase in road accidents since smartphones and texting became popular. Yep. And even though you think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, put it away, some people can't resist it or, oh, I'm at a stoplight. I'll just check this text. The light turns green. They don't notice somebody rear them. I mean, stuff could happen. So. Yeah. So uh, what we have there are these uh, sort of packages and apps for shutting down the phone, specifically from texting and maybe just doing other things that would distract the driver. You can get sort of hardware software packages. There's one called Cell Control. Uh, It's subscription-based again, but it's basically a little doodad that you put on a windshield and it just blocks the phone from getting uh, any kind of communications while the car's in motion. Wow. So so that is sort of your, your... Big, heavy enforcement there. Mm-hmm. Um, Big time. And I think there are a couple of other uh, products in that category. Um, if you're looking to, you know, just sort of like a software solution to stop the attention-grabbing activity while someone is supposed to be paying attention to uh, driving, yeah. uh, there's programs like Drive Safe Mode, True Motion Family, Lifesaver, Drive Mode for Android. Uh, just go into your app store and just search for distracted driving apps. And you see a whole bunch of them pop up, and maybe you kind of read the reviews and see which one does the kind of things you want it to do. AT&T's drive mode is actually free. That's for Android and iOS. And will automatically kick in, I think, if the car gets above 15 miles an hour. Uh, People say, well, what if you're the passenger in the car and and you have this on your phone, but you don't happen to be driving? I think there is a uh, thing where you can disable it, like Waze, like, no, I'm in the passenger seat. Turn me off. Right. But, you, you know, just make sure you are the passenger and you're not trying to get around it. Yeah. Another thing to talk to, to the child about, and maybe if there's that concern, maybe you want to go with the hardware solution where yeah. it just creates a sort of cone of silence uh, over the car. Yeah, if you can't trust your kid. Yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> there are bigger issues. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, depending on your phone, you may not even need uh, an additional app to sort of blunt those distractions. Uh, Apple's new iOS 11 software includes an extension of its Do Not Disturb feature. I think it's called Do Not Disturb While Driving. Ah. At least that's what it was in the previews. Automatically blocks calls, messages, app notifications as soon as it senses that the iPhone has made a Bluetooth connection to the dashboard. Mm-hmm. So 
kind of a, maybe easy to circumvent, but if you just want something that's going to remind you that you really, really, really need to be paying attention to the road and right. not derping around with your phone, it's, it, a good it, it's a good reminder for it's that. It's definitely so a good reminder. I will have links to two articles that detail all of these uh, solutions here and point you in the right direction. And we will have links to your ghost software on our show page. And now it's probably time for us to go, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. We got to go. We got to say thanks to the bros. Yes, thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. I like that about them. I do too. And thank you, listeners. We hope we have not been too distracting if you were indeed driving uh, yeah, exactly. while you were listening to us. But uh, remember, you can always find links to everything we talk about on our show page at poptechjam.com and we'll be back next week with more everyone have a safe and lovely uh, rest of your week and uh, again mad props to Cassini mad props thanks for the Saturn man yes indeed Lady Godiva was a freedom rider she didn't care if the whole world Joan of Arc with the Lord to guide her She was a sister who really could Isadora was the first bra burner And you're glad she showed up oh, yeah. And when the country was falling apart Betsy Ross got it all sold up And then there's Maud Then there's Maud And then there's Maud And then there's Maud And then there's Maud that uncompromising, enterprising, anything but tranquilizing, right on, Maud. Right on, Maud. Right on, Maud.